0: Lord, I know that there are people in this room that are struggling with fear and with doubt. God, and it's very heavy and it's very strong in their life. God, but this is what I know. God, that you can set us free. God, you can break those those chains. You can break those bonds. And Lord, that you can do a great work in our lives if we will simply surrender to you, if we will fix our eyes on you, fix our eyes on the cross, and we look at the power that exists in your Holy Spirit. God, I pray. I pray for the struggling person in this room, Lord, the person that's dealing with fear. God, I pray that you set them free. God, you tell us through your word that you did not give us a a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Lord, help us to focus on that today. Help Help us to take that truth and let it sink deep into our hearts. And God, I pray... God, that people would recognize that no matter what comes against us, what trials that we face, Lord, that we don't have to be afraid because your grace has reached out to us. Uh, your, Your grace poured out on us. And Lord, because of you, we have nothing to fear. So Lord, be with us now as we look to what your word says to us. I pray that you would speak to our minds and to our hearts. God, as we listen to you, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're in a series called Fearless, and uh, I think I recognized that last week uh, there's quite a few people dealing with fear. There's quite a few people, Christians and non-Christians alike, that are dealing with, with fear. And, and, and I have to point this out to you, the fact that, that God's Word tells us that He did not give us a spirit of fear. So what does that mean exactly? As we read this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. It, it tells me that we've got one of two ways to go, just like it's described in Romans chapter 8. We can either listen to ourselves or we can listen to the Spirit. So if we listen to ourselves... What's that going to end up like if we listen to the Spirit and there's no fear in the Spirit? Who are you listening to if you got a spirit of fear in you? If you if you, are listening, if you got fear in your heart, who are you listening to? Are you listening to you or are you listening to the Spirit that God installed in you? Now, let me tell you something. I, I, I mean, I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer here. I, 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 everybody calls me a, uh, a negative person sometimes, but I'm like, no, I'm a realist, okay? There's a difference between being a pessimist and a realist, okay? Uh, I I sometimes have to tell people when things are going really great and really good, I I have to tell them, hey, I know things are going really well right now. And if you look around this church, you can see God is doing a great work. God is doing something amazing in and through the people uh, in this church. And I am thrilled to death about that. Let me tell you that there is going to come an attack against us. There is an enemy who does not like what's going on here. He does not like the truth, and he does not like people embracing the truth. So if there are a group of people somewhere, and they're embracing the truth, and they're falling more and more in love with Jesus, I I can tell you for sure that there is going to be difficulties and trials that are going to come along with that. Absolutely, that will be the case. Satan will try to infiltrate. He will try to find his way in. It will be in the the place where you least suspect it, and, and, and he will come in and try to divide and conquer and separate. That's what will happen. Okay, I, I, everybody's like, Kenny, what are you doing, man? You were, we were all like fired up because we got a new building and tons of people are coming. And I'm like, that is wonderful. But here is what I know, that, that, that every single time in God's word, the people of God start to raise up and start to do something great for God, what happens? You see Satan work his way in and he tries to divide and conquer is what he does. But here, here is what is so amazing about that. Every single time, you know what, what happens when Satan tries to divide and conquer? God uses that, and he divides. He allows Satan to divide, and then what happens? It divides again, and, and, it, divides again, and, it, divides again, and it 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 divides again. And what, what is God doing? See, Satan thinks he's got the upper hand. God just lets him think that. It happens over and And you see this in the book of Acts? What is happening is the gospel continues to spread. Every single time the church falls under persecution, it divides, and then what happens? They go somewhere else, and the gospel goes to another place. I am not afraid of hard times or difficult times. I, I, <laughs> I, I really, I, everybody's like, Kenny, that's crazy. I really, I'm not afraid. I, I am not afraid. If for some reason tomorrow God were to shut these doors and there would be some reason why we could no longer meet here, that doesn't scare me a bit. Some people are like, you've got to be kidding me. What would we do? We wouldn't have chairs, We would blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God's in control. He is absolutely sovereign, and he knows what he's doing. And even if Satan tries to work his way in, if we stay faithful to him and we continue to do what God wants us to do, then he can't destroy us. He can't overtake us. All he can do is cause God's word to go out and to go out and to go out and to go out. That's the only thing Satan can do. He thinks he has the upper hand, especially through fear. He tries to make us afraid of what's going to happen if, right? Think about in your life all the times that you've been just like overwhelmed by what happens if. What happens if my spouse dies? What happens if my spouse leaves me? What happens if my child dies? I can tell you from my own experience, if your child dies, if that happens, and you're most afraid of that, use that to the glory of God. Even if he or she does die. Use that to glorify God. Use that as a reason for you to continue to go out and you continue to tell people about how good God is. Use that. Don't let Satan get the upper hand and then let him control you with fear and say, I've got you. You can't do anything. You're trapped. There's nowhere to go from here. You might as well quit. I just go... You don't have the upper hand. I have a God who has the upper hand, and I'm not afraid of you, and I'm not afraid of what can happen because of you because I have a God who is so much bigger than you. And as much as you try to destroy me, you can't do that. You cannot, even if you wanted to, and you put all the powers against me, the worst thing that you can do is kill me, and then I get to go spend time with Jesus. That is the worst thing you can do to me. Why are we struggling with fear? You know, The only reason you would have an excuse to struggle with fear is if you don't know Jesus. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, He doesn't rule and reign in your life, you should be terrified. You should be crying, losing your mind, scared out of your mind, terrified. That would be the only reason. That would be the only reason that you would have any fear in you. Paul tells this guy named Timothy, he says, God did not give you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of self-control. Now, I'm going to bring you back to that verse at the end of the message because I want you to see how Paul reinforces these words that he speaks. We're going to be in Acts chapter 14 today. We're going to kind of start in verse 8. And we see Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey, and they're going to tell people about Jesus. They're going to tell tell the whole world about how good God is. And we start in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with a crippled, uh, crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him and said in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet. And started walking. Now, what do I believe about this passage? I believe there was a lame man there, and he had faith in Jesus, and he stood up and he walked, When Paul called him out and said, you need to stand up and walk. Now, I want you to understand, this is what everybody's going to be like, well, do you have the power to do that? If God so chooses, I have the power to do that. You know what God has given me that that is at every one of our disposal? to use as power like this? You know what God has given us? I mean, yes, it would be cool if I could just say, stand up and walk, and they get up and walk out the door, and that would be amazing and wonderful. You know what God has given us as believers? You know, in this day, in this age, what I believe God has given us? He's given us this book. Uh, that you can, you can open up this book and you can look and, and the power of God's word as it flows through this book Has the power to change people's lives in a more miraculous way than just allowing you to stand up and walk It has the power to take you from death to life I'm talking about from, from, from death, eternal death and being separated from God to eternal life with God That's a lot of power in this book through the power of this book and His Holy Spirit, He has the power to do that. And I believe that's, what the, that's the gifts that God has given us in order to be able to do this kind of work. Now, when, when Paul and Barnabas were walking around, what they had was these supernatural powers that God allowed them to be able to do these kinds of things. My belief is that what we have is a power that exists through His Holy Spirit and through, his God's, through God's Word in order for us to be able to, to see these same kind of miracles. He just called the guy out. He's up there preaching and he's, he's talking to everybody about how good God is. And he just says, "Stand up!" And the dude stands up. He jumps to his feet and starts walking. When the crowd saw that Paul had saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. This is important. It was in their local dialect. These men are gods in human form. They, decide, they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now, the temple of Zeus was located outside the town, so the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates. And they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. What? Why are these people thinking that, that Paul and Barnabas are Greek gods? They think they're Zeus and Hermes. Now, Barnabas, maybe he was like, he was a strong dude. Maybe he had like ripped up chest muscles and stuff. And like, maybe he was, he was huge. But I can tell you this about Paul. Paul was about five foot two. He was old and scrawny and shriveled up and bald-headed. Now, if I was looking for a Greek god to come in human form, he would not look like Paul. You know what I mean? Like, he would be all ripped up. I mean, he'd he'd be like Russell Crowe, gladiator kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that's what he would look like if a Greek god came in human form. That's what he's going to look like. He's not going to look like a scrawny, five-foot-two old guy. You know what I mean? With wrinkles and, like, scars. and I mean, that's not what he's going to look like. But they think that they're Greek gods come. Why do these people think that? I'll tell you why. It's because there was old like folklore going on in the town that had been around for ages where people thought uh, there was this story about how the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, came to their town and went around door to door asking for people to show them hospitality, asking for people to, to welcome them in, to give them food, to take care of them, and they kept getting rejected. They kept getting rejected. every door they went to, they kept finding people that weren't hospitable to them, weren't welcome them in, except for two people named Philemon and Bacchus. Okay, now this is folklore, okay? this ain't real. I'm just telling you, these two people, they did welcome them in, they, 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 they uh, allowed them to, to come into their house, they showed them hospitality and, and all this kind of stuff. And finally, when Zeus and Hermes decided to destroy the whole, ta- whole town because they had not um, They had not shown them hospitality in that town. Philemon and Bacchus got made into trees and are just outside of town. It's crazy, right? All right, great. You want to be a tree one day? Phenomenal. Serve Zeus and Hermes, you know, whatever. So, like, they they got to be trees outside of town. The whole town got destroyed. Well, what happens? Paul and Barnabas roll up into town, the same area, and he tells the dude to stand up, get up, and, and the guy jumps up and starts running around. Well, what do they think immediately? Well, Zeus and Hermes just showed back up. They came back. We better be hospitable to them now. We better get ready because they're going to destroy us if we don't. So what do they do? They got, they got the, the Zeus uh, idols and temple outside the town, so they get ready. They got some bulls, some wreaths, and we're going to go make sacrifices. Now, the whole thing is they're doing this in their own dialect. They're doing this in the words that they understand. Paul and Barnabas are clueless to what is going on. They don't realize that these guys think that they're gods, Greek gods. I imagine they were really confused, you know what I mean? Like, everywhere else they went, they they suffered persecution and difficulties and hardships, and here they think, this looks good, you know? Like, we can use this. If they think we're gods, we could use this. But Paul and Barnabas, they know better. They know they can't go that route. They know that if they do that and God is not prominent in first place and the one that they worship and the one that they serve and the one that gets all the glory for every single thing that happens, then they know that it will never, ever succeed. That's why I want us to be very careful in this place that God gets absolutely all the glory, all the praise, all the adoration for every single good thing that comes. We want to be very careful that we don't take any of that that, that false adoration and put it on ourselves and let ourselves get big-headed and think it has something to do with us. We need to make absolutely sure that we're pointing towards Jesus Christ with every single thing that we do. When we go out into this community and serve, when we go out and minister to people that are homeless, we need to make sure that we are doing that in the name of Jesus Christ. And every single person knows they're doing that not in the name of simple church. They're doing that in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that deserves the glory and the adoration for every single thing that happens. If anything bad happens, you point the finger at me. okay? Anything good happens, you point the finger at Jesus. Here, they're like, oh, we got to go sacrifice a bull. Let's get some wreaths together. We'll go take it to the, the temple outside of town. Paul and Barnabas get wind of it, though. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard about what was happening... They tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people saying, they didn't like rip all their clothes off. They were just like, ah, you know, like frustrated, right? So anyway, so they ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We have come to bring you good news that you can turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth And the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself or his goodness. For instance, he sends rain and good crops and gives food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. They were trying their best to say, hey, It ain't us. We're just human. We're just like the rest of you. There's nothing special about us. We're trying to give you life that comes from God and God alone. We want you to recognize that. And the people still aren't listening. It says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Now, just a minute ago, they were ready to make sacrifices to him. And now they're ready to stone him. So much so that you know what they do when they got ready to stone him? They did stone him. They stoned him to the point where he looked like he was dead or he was dead. It says to the point that that everybody was thinking that he was dead. That doesn't sound so good, does it? You You know what I think? So they hurled stones. You remember what we would tell our kids when they're little? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You remember that? You know why we tell them that? Because it's a lie, right? Because we don't want them to believe the same, the same junk that we believe. We know this truth, the fact that, that you know what hurts us more than anything? People's words. I, I mean, I, <laughs> there, there are words that, that will crush you and rip you apart and tear your heart out. Way more so than if somebody fist fights you in the parking lot, right? Words are way more devastating. They hurled stones at, at Paul and Barnabas. And so much so that that, that Paul looked like he was dead. You know what it looks like for you and I? For you and I? I believe the things that we're hurt by the most are people's words. I believe it wasn't the fact that... It wasn't the fact so much that they got stoned is what bothered them. It's the fact that their message that they were trying to convey to them, that there's a living God, that he He is there for them. They can turn away from all these other gods that they're worshiping, and they can turn towards the true God they didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. And I guarantee you, if you get to heaven one day and you ask Paul what bothered him the most, it was not getting stoned. It was the fact that they didn't hear the message that was being preached. Or the fact that they cut the message short because they were throwing stones at him. You know what should bother us the most? You know what should bother us the most? More There are people out there that haven't heard the gospel there are people that are living next door to us that they don't, they don't hear the truth. They don't know the truth. The God's word is right there in our hands. And we have the power of God's words right, right in our hands. And we, we, we're not trying our best to pour into that. That should drive us crazy. That, that, that should be way worse than, than our neighbors trying to cut over into our grass lane, right? That should be way worse. We should, we should look and we should say, man... There are people out there they don't know Jesus, they don't care about the things of Jesus, and, and that should drive us crazy. And I believe that is what drove Paul crazy in this situation. You know why I say that? Look at verse 20 it says, but the believers gathered around him. And he got up. Oh. If there ain't you talk about fearless son, what did he do? They stoned him to the point of death. Imagine what that looks like. I mean, it's one thing for them to beat you up, but when you were stoned to the point where it looks like you're dead, I'm talking about bloodied, bruised. I mean, like, it's, it's I mean, incomprehensible. He's probably got a concussion. The dude's probably staggering around. They drag him out of town because they don't want anybody to know what they had done. They, they drag him out of town. They don't want the Romans to get wind of it because they're afraid they might fall under a Roman uh, control and they might get persecuted or they might get uh, prosecuted for stoning somebody without the Romans saying they could. But here they drag him out of town. He's bloodied. He's bruised. The believers gathered around. We're going to talk about those believers in just a minute. The believers gathered around and they pray over him. And what did he do? He got back up. And where did he go? You want to talk about fearless, son? That is fearless. Where did he go? He went back into the town that had just stoned him. Now me, I'm going to say, hey guys, give me a few minutes. I need to take a breather. I just got stoned to death. I might want to just relax for about 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe take a couple days rest. Maybe a little, a, a, a little vacation from this hard Jesus work because I just got stoned to death. Not Paul, this fearless man of God. You know what he saw? He saw opportunity in the fact that they had stoned him. He didn't didn't see the insults that they had hurled at him as an opposition. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw it as a way into them. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to back down from this situation because it got hard. He said, I'm going to face it head on. I'm going right into the eye of the storm. And I'm not going to quit. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to use this so that God can, they can see how good my God is, how glorious my God is, how powerful my God is. He didn't use it as a reason to run away. He just said, I'm going back into town. You know why? Because these people need the gospel. These people need to know this Jesus that I know. He didn't run away. He ran straight back into the eye of the storm. And he goes back to town. And he stays there, preaches the gospel, says the next day he left with Barnabas to Derby. I don't believe he was scared. I don't believe he left because he was scared because he wouldn't have gone back into town if he was scared. He just went where God led him to next. He just went on to the next town. There's another reason why I think he wasn't scared. After I'm going to read this to you. It's not going to be up on the screen, but I just want to read this to you. After preaching the good news in Derby and making disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Listeria Iconium and Antioch, Pisidia. You know what he did? He went to Derby, he preached the gospel, and then he went back to the same town. You can't tell me that he was scared because if he was scared, he wouldn't have gone back. He goes back into the same town. He says, they continued. uh, It says, uh, they encouraged to continue in the faith, reminding them they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Imagine the testimony now. You remember how you stoned me a few weeks ago? That's what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. That's what it's like to be a a born-again child of God, is to have stones hurled at you. He says, you're going to endure hardships. You're going to endure difficult times. It's going to be troublesome. And Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they must have put their trust. He says, they would travel back to the city in Philea. They preached the word in Perga and then on the town of Italia. What did they do? They continued on. They continued on for the purposes of the gospel. If you preach the word, if you tell people about how good God is, you're going to fall under persecution and difficulties, and, and Satan is going to try to infiltrate and divide and conquer, but it will not work if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. This, this gets me. In, verse, in chapter 16 of Acts, just a couple of chapters later, listen to what it says. And Paul went first to Derby, and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Named Timothy. Everybody's like, what's so big about that? His mother was a Jewish believer and his father was a Greek. Timothy uh, was well thought of by believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them there in the journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before he left uh, for for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from, their own, from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. You know who was likely in that circle of believers that circled around Paul after he'd been stoned to death? You know who was likely in that little group? A guy by the name of Timothy. A guy by the name of Timothy was in that little group he was thought well of by the people in that town, and, and one of the it's likely that he was in that little group of people that circled around Paul after he had been stoned to death. And what did he see? He saw Paul get up after being stoned to death and walk right back into town to preach the gospel. Now why is that so big? We talked about the testimony of David last week. We talked about how. Uh, when Benaiah saw the Egyptian giant carrying a weaver's beam, he probably saw in his mind, he remembered that, that his, his king David had, had slew a giant. He had slew a giant with a weaver's beam. And it probably, in his mind, said, my God is powerful. My God can do anything. My God can overcome. And because of David's testimony, it's likely that that's the reason that he was able to slay a giant. Here we see Timothy in a circle of believers around Paul who had just been stoned to death and was dying. And he stood up and runs back into town to preach the gospel. Now Paul writes a letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy verse 1 chapter 7. It says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Now you think about that testimony. This is a man who got up and went back into town where they had just stoned him. And now he writes him a letter that says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Don't you be afraid. You're going to undergo hardships and difficulties. And let me tell you, that is the way it is in the kingdom of God. He says, but don't you be afraid. Don't you live with that spirit of fear because it did not come from God. And I believe it was Paul's testimony to Timothy. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What about you? What about the difficulties that you've come against? More importantly, the the difficult words that have come against you. The, the, The stones that people have hurled against you. weren't physical stones, they were insults, right? Tough times, trials, difficulties, things that come against you. Did it motivate you more for the gospel? Or did it make you run away from it? Did it motivate you to reach people for the gospel? Did it motivate you to reach people for the kingdom of God? Or did it make you cower down and be more afraid? What is your testimony? What does it look like for you? Are you listening to that flesh? Or are you listening to the spirit? Because if you're listening to that spirit, there's no fear in that. And you have a choice. You have a choice. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that spirit living within you. Now, you can come to know him. You can give your life to him, and his spirit can come to indwell inside of you. Jesus was was so motivated by this fact that the spirit was was coming for for the believers. He said, it is better that I go than it is that I stay with you. It is better that I go away so that the spirit can come, so that the comforter can come. He says, it's going to be better than me walking beside you day by day. It's going to be better than that because my spirit is coming to live within you. And you can listen to Him. You don't have to wait on me to speak. The Spirit's going to speak to you every single day. But you have to listen and respond to the Spirit and not the flesh. Let me pray. Father, thank You, God, for this Word. Thank You for the testimony of Paul who tells us that we don't don't have a spirit of fear. It's of power and of love and of self-control. Oh, what a great testimony it was coming from a man who had been stoned to death. In Lystra and Iconium, Lord, that day when he stood boldly and preached your word, it tells us at the very beginning of chapter 14 that, that he and Barnabas just stood boldly and preached your word in the face of opposition over and over and over again. God, they just stood boldly and proclaimed your good news. People hurled insults at them, even so much so that they ended up throwing stones at them to try to kill them. That did not push them away from the gospel. It pushed them toward the gospel. It pushed them towards the people that desperately needed the gospel. I pray that the insults that are hurled towards us, the difficulties that come against us, the trials that come against us, the the heartache that, that that is just hurled upon us over and over and over again every single day, God, I pray that it wouldn't push us away from you, but it would push us towards you. God, I know that we have a choice. I know that we have a choice as to whether we run away from you or we run to you. And God, I just pray that every single time something difficult comes into our life, every trial that comes against us, God, we would run towards you and not away. God, we want that to be our testimony. God, we want people to see that. And we want people to know that you are a good God, that you are a glorious God. And we have nothing to be afraid of if we are in your kingdom. Lord, for the people that aren't in your kingdom, that don't know you, I pray that they're terrified. God, I pray their heart is pounding out of their chest. I pray that they're sick to their stomach. I pray that that, the tears are welling up in their eyes and they're just about to explode unless they surrender to you. God, that's what I pray for, for those people that don't know you. God, make them sick to their stomach. Whatever you have to do to awaken them to the fact that they need you, God, I pray that you would do that in their life. This is the truth that I know, that God, we cannot do anything apart from you. If we rely on ourselves, we'll end up afraid and tired and weary. And you say, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. God, I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would do that. And then for the believer who hasn't been listening to the spirit that's within them, that has been listening to the world and to their flesh. God, I pray that you've just opened their eyes today. God, to the power that exists in you. The power that you have installed in us. God, let us tap into that. Let us not be afraid. Let you get all the glory for our lack of fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?